What's the best site in India? The Taj Mahal, the Golden Temple? For Rintwa, it's his market stall. Some years ago, he lost his sight and then his job. I'm Lisa from Specsavers and we help the Hope Foundation provide eye care in Kolkata. Rintwa was found to have cataracts. The charity performed surgery, which gave him his vision back. He regained confidence and returned to work. Find out how we're changing people's lives for the better at specsavers.ie. Eric Knowles has been a staple of TV antique shows for more years than he cares to remember. He's also been a regular attraction to Senior Times live events over many years, where his valuations and that uniquely approachable style of his are a firm favourite. Next month at the City Hall in Cork, Eric will reprise his role as Ireland's favourite antiques expert when he joins us at Senior Times Live. The show takes place on Friday 25th and Saturday 26th of November and Eric will be there all day on the Saturday dispensing advice, opinion and bonhomie. He'll also be on stage for an audience Q&A session so if you're interested in antiques and collectibles why not join us in the City Hall Cork. Just to get you in the mood for that, here's a conversation I had recently with Eric by phone on one of his favourite subjects, Art Deco. I hope you enjoy it. I know I did. I think it's fair to say that if you asked a, a hundred people off the street uh, what uh, periods of design, styles of design they 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 recognise in in objects, whether it's in antique shops or in collections or in their own lives, one of the most prominent is deco or art deco. It's something. It's a phrase which, uh, to my mind, is probably a little bit overused it's probably sometimes misused but in general we think we know what we understand by art deco i know that it's a subject uh, close to your own heart you've uh, certainly written a, a book about it and i'm sure it's uh, it's been a big part of your professional life tell us something about deco about what it is uh, what defines it where it came from and what distinguishes it well, my job is really recognising the chronology of um, of all lots of uh, art styles, and uh, and Art Deco follows hot on the heels of Art Nouveau, which had gone before. Um, so this was a, a style that um, basically um, was a, a, a style based on organic forms, um, interwoven with sort of sensual and 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 Japanese inspired themes. Um, so it it was a very fluid style. Now whereas uh, this is a style that then had sort of evaporated. Um, it had run out of steam by around about nineteen ten. And when people talk about Art Deco, they they generally recognize it as being a style that, you know, sort of arrived in about nineteen twenty. Well, in actual fact, the style had established itself, or the roots anyway, um, as early as 1913, before the First World War. Um, and basically, it is a, a style that reacts against um, Art Nouveau. And you always get this with art styles. You get one generation of designers that immediately don't want anything to do with what's gone before. They want to establish their own mark. Um, and to some extent, um, Art Deco is a style that uh, takes 
um, formalised forms and, and stylizes them in a big way. Um, in other words, you know, there's there's a hint of cubism here, and of course, cubism is is the buzzword um, about the time of the First World War. And and you then uh, see a style emanating which is um, is using clean lines. In fact, to make things not too complicated. Um, you, we have a situation where certainly by 1930 uh, or thereabouts, um, Art Deco had moved on. Mm. And what followed on from there is Art Moderne. Um, Art Moderne is, is, is a style that makes use of streamline. And whereas in 1925, the emphasis was very much on French and Parisian designers. Um, by 1930, um, the emphasis had become um, and, and aimed really based upon industrial designers. Um, and a lot of those working um, in the USA. And also, one can't forget about the Bauhaus without making this too complicated. Uh, but the Bauhaus basically was a school um, uh, that was based in, in Weimar in Germany, and it was um, a, an association of, of like-minded designers and artists and craftsmen um, working in a revolutionary uh, style that uh, for a large part was, was all about form and function and less about ornament. Yeah, I mean, in my mind... That was a bit, Eric, of, a man, a bit of a mouthful there. I know we can cut no, this bit out, but not at all. a bit of a mouthful. And... In, in my mind, yeah, Eric, Eric. Um, uh, Bauhaus, uh, which I, when I think of Bauhaus, I think mainly of two things, really, architecture and furniture, uh, things like Mies van der Rohe and, uh, you know, the Barcelona chair, that sort of thing. Um, yes. I think of that as being maybe wrongly a sort of subspecies of deco or maybe a, a, an anti... No, not an antecedent, sorry, oh, let me get this right. A, a successor, yes, uh, of, of deco. Would that be right? I mean, or, or, or does Bauhaus fit within deco? No, you're bang on the nail. I think that there, you know, certainly by the, the late twenties, the 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 type of Art Deco that had been shown, say, at the Paris um, Exposition, there's Art Decoratif that was happening in Paris. Yeah, um, uh, was a very florid style with a lot of the forms loosely based on those that had emanated out of France in the late 18th and early 19th century. Well, of course, Bauhaus is totally radical mm. in so far as that, you know, it is looking, um, or should I say, uh, thinking out of the box. Uh, that's an expression my father would forever throw at me. You've got to think out of the box. Um, and this was so true of what was happening in Germany. Uh, so much so that when the Nazi party, um, you know, came to power in the early 30s, um, they basically interpreted what was going on there um, as degenerate art. And... Um, and, and close the place down, plus the fact that a significant number of the designers there were Jewish, mm. um, and those who had any common sense got out quick, and people like Mies van der Rohe and Walter Gropius, uh, Marcel Breuer, they, they, they made their way to the United States, where it was a brave new world. 
what's fascinating about this to me, or one of the things that's fascinating about this to me, is that um, whereas uh, Deco and the whole spirit of industrial design and streamlining so is generally sort of thought to be in tune with the spirit of an age, uh, technology, progress, etc. And to some extent, I think new materials as well. Um, Deco, as you've just explained, was born in one era and matured in a completely different era. I mean, you could hardly have had two more different uh, milieus than uh, pre-First World War and post-First World War, which, to my mind, makes Deco quite a strange creature, really. There's something born in the, in the, in the I suppose, the relatively kind of placid world of, um, uh, of, of, the, Victor- of the, the Edwardian era should um, survive, not only survive the First World War, but come out with all guns blazing, ha-ha, uh, on the other side of the First World War. Well, I mean, that's very true. I mean, you've only got to look at, at society, um, in the late 19th century. Um, and, you know, we think of, of, of the Art Nouveau again coming up through the naughty 90s and 1900s, early 1900s. Um, and, you know, that was an age when, you know, to quote, I think, Cole Porter, um, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. Um, but by the 1920s, you know, Heaven knows anything goes, um, and and so there is that demarcation with regards to the war because the war played a significant role, obviously, in female emancipation. I mean, it was all all happening prior uh, to um, uh, mm-hmm. to to the, the First World War, um, but those involved with female emancipation put everything on one side and on hold and got on with the job of winning the war. Um, but um, or in the case of Germany, let's face it, in, in, because because there were two sides to the war, of course, if not more. Uh, in the in the case of Germany, they were getting on with losing the war. So you would have thought then that um, whatever mood overtook the the nation and the culture, on on in Britain would have been rather kind of diametrically opposite to what took hold in Germany. Yet they were both kind of uh, uh, fountainheads of deco, I suppose you'd say. Well, they they certainly um, were progressive in Germany, but not not on the to my mind not on the same scale of of what was happening certainly in, in the United States. Um, okay. But you know, you talk about German society after the war. German, I mean, the German economy was in tatters, um, and you know, the Treaty of Versailles was was basically the the formula um it was the blue touch paper really that once it was lit was going to produce another world war Mm. um and so germany was really um like everybody else uh, people after the war they just wanted to have a good time and that's so certainly true the the germans as much as it is of of the, the the british um one's only got to think in in terms of the world of Sally Bowles and Christopher Isherwood and Cabaret and what, whatever. But with Germany, uh, there was obviously a, a, a deep um, social undercurrent yeah. of, of, of basically them. And they were in, in a situation where it, it isn't surprising when Mr Hitler came along and said, I can sort this out for you. 
and they they welcomed him with open arms and i'm not making this a history history lesson um but once the nazis arrived they came with their own ideology and they came with their own idea of what made good art and you know it's in 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 a in a, in a way it was then enforced upon the german people as this is pure art this is aryan art yeah. and this is what art should be and yeah. the other people are lunatics that was that was their thinking sponsored by expressway with my expressway free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. So in as much as uh, Deco uh, expressed uh, something that was in the air in the in the 19 in, in the post-war period or the interwar period I think I should call it um, in what way did it express it what is it about Deco that, uh, that 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 tells us something about the times it was it was popular in well, initially, um, it was all about um, luxury. And, and in all fairness, in the beginning, um, this was a design concept that was available to the few um, in so far as a lot of the furniture that was available, you know, was wonderful. Um, and I mean, I mean, for example, uh, the, the number one Ebenezer, the number one cabinet maker was a man called Ruhlman. And... Uh, you could buy a Ruhlman uh, large double bed um, with a Macassar ebony uh, headboard, which was like a radiating mm. um, circle uh, made up of segments in Macassar ebony. And it was quite remarkable. You could buy that, or for the same money, you could buy um, a four-bedroom apartment on the Boulevard Saint-Michel. So there's but, a surprise. I mean, it was is, it was for the rich. <laughs> it was for the rich. However, however, um, in defence now of, of Art Deco, uh, Art Deco eventually became um, an international um, design uh, mantra. That um, okay, there there are various national interpretations, but basically it was, it was the last complete style. Um, and you know this is now the age of skyscrapers and, and people change their mode of dress to fit with the times um, so there was this influence that it, I mean it no more so than when you would go to New York in 1925 1930 and, and by the way in America um, art deco itself was not a, a term that was even thought of um, when you look at some of the early skyscrapers, especially those, um, the early ones going up in Chicago, um, they've got more of a Gotham City feel about them. And, 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 and Art Deco is something that doesn't really happen in America until after 1926, um, because the Americans did not even have a, a standard, that very important Paris exhibition of 1925. 
um, the uh, the the first. I can't remember the the name of. Sorry, can you bear with me one second? Of course. Because I'm just trying to remember Mr. Hoover's first name. It wasn't Edgar Hoover. That was the. And there um, was Herbert. I don't know. He Herbert was... Hoover. Thank you. Thank <laughs> my God, you've done your own work. <laughs> which which was the one who read in my book? <laughs> which was the one who started the FBI? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's kind of start that again. Yes, of course. Okay. I mean, Art Deco doesn't really start finding its way into American design um, until after 1926. Um, because prior to, to that, in 1925, uh, there'd been the big Paris Expo, which is seen as the high point, the high watermark for, for Art Deco design. And um, Herbert Hoover... Um, who was the man responsible in America um, for promoting uh, dis design and, and similar. Um, he decided that there was uh, no real modern art in America, um, so they, there was no point actually you know, taking a, a, a salon um, at the a exhibition. And, um, I mean, how that went down with the likes of Frank Lloyd Wright, mm. Georgia O'Keeffe and, and Paul Manship and all those. One can only imagine. American <laughs> well, it, it may make us believe, doesn't it? But what did happen is that the, um, the Americans send out a deputation of about 25, 26 people uh, to go and observe. And, and observe they did, and not only that, um, they managed to... Um, to sort of uh, buy the, the 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 top exhibits, and then in 1926 they took them on a tour um, all of all the sort of primary American museums, thereby exposing the great American public to you know this this new style, um, mm. and they um, they embraced it big time, and you know the reps as they say is history, but. When I say it's a complete style, people would dress in a certain way. I mean, you, when you think of Art Deco, you think of the flapper dress, you know, with a hemline above the knee. Now, you know, what would your mother say, bearing in mind that she was barely, barely showing that ankle in 1905, if ever? Um, and then you uh, you have um, the interior um, decoration it becomes very much streamlined. The Americans really were, a, you know, the advanced core for streamlined design. Um, and that in itself reflected another facet of the Art Deco age, which was the need for speed. Everything got faster. You know, aeroplanes, well, you know, you've got the Schneider Trophy happening. Yep. Um, if you think in terms of, of motor cars, well, you've only got to look at some of these futuristic designs that are being made in America and, of course, the trains. Um, and uh, let's not forget the ocean uh, luxury liners. And Absolutely. Know, I mean, really there, there's a very... About the Normandy. There seems to be a very strong crossover between um, naval design and... Uh, or not naval design, but marine design and Art Deco. I mean, one, when one thinks of the, 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 the really great icons of the Deco period, uh, ocean liners uh, seem to fit beautifully into the whole ethos of, uh, uh, of, of Deco. And it seems to feed both ways in that um, certain pieces of Deco furniture, in fact, Deco houses, seem to reflect uh, the ocean liners of the time and vice versa. It's, it's extraordinary. 
Well, I find that particularly true when you, especially when you go to the seaside and if you go, you know, in, in the south of England in particular, and also um, on uh, the the west coast of, of Lancashire, Blackpool, St. Anne's, whatever, you, you get these wonderful sort of um, uh, concrete structures and, and they are concrete um, insofar as this is another new medium and... Uh, I tried to buy buy one thirty um, odd years ago, and it's not easy to buy a house that is made of reinforced concrete because you're not quite sure how the structure is um, carrying on and surviving in, in amidst all that concrete. That sounds like a daft thing to say, but it, it's um, it's a nightmare for uh, for any surveyor to uh, to get to terms with. But um, I think the other thing to, to bear in mind is that. Um, in this country, um, the, the one place where most people would come into contact with this new concept of design um, would probably be the cinema, mm. um, picture palaces. I mean, they were palaces right from the word go. But in the early days, they might emulate something out of ancient Egypt or uh, um, ancient um, ancient Persia or whatever. And uh, but certainly by the, the 1930 mark um, it is chrome steel it's black enamel it's very clever subtle lighting and um, and you, you're in a you're in a completely different world and if you if you were a you know mill worker in Burnley you know you had the Odeon to go to which is quite interesting um, because it's a, it's a, a chain of, of cinemas. Uh, that were owned by a man called Oscar Deutsch. Yep. And Oscar Deutsch entertains our nation, um, um, becomes Odeon. Odeon. Now, I happen so, to know, or at least I read somewhere, and maybe you'll, you'll, maybe this is a myth, but um, I believe, in fact, talking, I was talking before about subspecies of, um, of Deco. I think there was actually a subspecies of Deco called Odeonesque. Which um, obviously refers back to the to the, the style of those of those um, cinemas. Well, that is very true. Um, in fact, you know, Art Deco as a term um, doesn't really arrive um, in in my world, the world of antiques and collectibles. Um, it doesn't really arrive until the, the mid to late sixties. Mm. Up until then, people called it the Jazz Age. Like you say, they called it Odeon art, um, and the term um, Art Deco is coined from that 1925 exhibition, uh, the Exposition des Art Decoratives at uh, Industrial et Moderne, or, or worse that effect. Mm. You can probably detect that most of my French has been gleaned from watching Allo, Allo. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, yes, I think um, I think that um, as a as a marker. Um, you know, Art Deco is, is, is was taken from that title, the exposition. There's Art Deco Retief, you know. So, yeah. um, and 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 that is what most people um, think of when they think of design from, let's say, post-war to the the end of the um, 
the Second World War. Now, this conversation is in danger of roaming gloriously all over the place, but um, you've just brought something else to my mind, which is... Uh, I, see, I grew up in um, Tooting in South London, and there was a magnificent oh, Odeon in Tooting, which I think, uh, I think I'm right in saying was, was one of the great landmarks of, uh, of uh, Odeon design, including uh, it had it the, the, the mighty Wurlitzer, which ascended from the pits into the into the uh, into the theatre but the, uh, the what i think of if i if i try to conjure up the the ultimate in 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 intensive deco design in a complete deco environment i think of that odeon and every aspect of it from the carpets to the wallpaper to those uplights you were talking about the uh, the, the beautiful indirect lighting and, and that the, the deco brought in and, and certainly those those classic uplights were part of that and um i think what you'd call sort of pelmet lights the, the, the lighting which was, was completely hidden behind a rail and all kinds of, of, of features which made those cinemas just incredible palaces of design as well as of course showing movies as a as a as a byproduct but um well, sorry you go on. You, know, you mentioned tooting i mean tooting was the address in in victorian london um late victorian london um but one other um landmark that you have if my memory serves me correct because i um i spent the first six months of my working life in london living in ballam just uh-huh. down the road um is of course um the um the the, the, the wonderful underground um a station that you've of got course. in tooting yeah yeah Tooting Broadway uh, station. Again, is more reflective of 1930 than it is of 1920, obviously. Um, and um, and we've got to thank a man called Frank Pick for all that because uh, he was the man who who set out the template for um, architecture and interior design on all the London um, underground stations um, throughout the uh, the 19, 1920s and 1930s. Also bastions of the deco style, or some variation on 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 the deco style, which I, I think just goes to show how all of us um, really grew up. I mean, anybody born since then has really grown up in a in a world which has been heavily influenced by 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 deco and the and the innovations which it brought with it. In 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 terms of uh, one thing we haven't really talked about so much is the materials which were used in in deco. I mean, one really obvious obvious example would be yes. the very first plastics were used in deco design i think bakelite would be as a forerunner yes that's very true i mean it is the age of um it's the age of new materials isn't it i mentioned reinforced concrete um but also it's the age of of of, of plate glass glass on a on a grand scale um and and steel and um it's the yes the brave new world of uh aldous Huxley and um and and obviously and um, when it came to architecture uh new revolutionary techniques where buildings just went up and up and up and um the birth of the skyscraper and uh, really sort of begins just prior to the first world war again uh but really comes of age Mm. and um i mean i've been very fortunate to have worked uh, for a long time backwards and forwards in new york and to and chicago actually and so it's what is interesting is to think that most of the skyscrapers you see in new york uh, were all put up within a 10-year period 
Yeah. Um, it takes some believing, doesn't it? But obviously there have been lots of, of, uh, of more modern buildings that have, uh, have been built that are equally as tall. But um, the, the classic buildings are like, you know, unless they think of the Chrysler Building in New York, everybody loves it. Everybody who's been to New York is falls in love with the Chrysler Building. And, it's funny, isn't it? Everybody talks about the Empire State, but everybody everybody looks at the Chrysler Building because that is the... Yeah. And the Chrysler Building crosses a divide. You, were, you mentioned this earlier about the, the more kind of Gothic elements uh, which maybe preceded or, or which stayed current in American design for longer than they did in Europe. But the Chrysler Building has, um, I think anyway... Now, you'll have to correct me on this, Eric... I think has gothic elements still in it. These sort of little strange kind of gargoyly things sticking out of it, and so on. Well, I think what you what you're looking at there, you're looking at eagles' heads, uh-huh. um, which which feature in the um, in the upper structure, um, and of course, um, and the motifs that you see there are all clever insofar as that they all have a bite reference to Walter Chrysler and his motor car empire. Uh, um, but if you go into the into the, <laughs> if you go into the the foyer downstairs, downstairs and the foyers of these buildings um, are breathtaking in themselves, um, the the type of marble that they used in the Chrysler is uncannily close in similarity to corned beef, <laughs> like it or not. Now that's something um, uh, that had escaped me, Eric. You'll have to explain no, but that. They, 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 it's balanced out by the doors, and the doors have got pure um, Egyptian-esque inlay to them. So uh, bearing in mind the Chrysler goes up in um, 1930, and uh, mm. the Empire State was a year, a year later, um, then uh, it's fair to say that Egyptian uh, decoration uh, uh, the Egyptian revival found its way into all sorts of, um, of motifs, jewellery, uh, some ceramics, um, and um, and obviously uh, interior decoration and, and architecture itself. So um, yeah, there's the, there are there are lots of lots of of um, significant events that haven't have a knock-on effect. I mean, for example, you know, it was in the early 20s, wasn't it, Tutankhamun, everybody went crazy about Egypt. And yeah. Egyptian revival is something that's, that that happened equally in the uh, early eight, the early 19th century when Napoleon uh, went into, into Egypt and, of course, uh, later in the 19th century. And... Um, uh, there was lots of Egyptian revivals going on, so yeah. But Art Deco could take it um, as uh, and, and make it its own. It looks as though it's perfectly part of this 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 all all, all in. Um, style. And, yeah, because um, what you've just told us, I think, if I, if, I, if I understand you rightly, Eric, is that, that uh, in effect, is that Art Deco had the robustness to actually absorb influences as it went along, not just in its founding, but uh, as, it, as it progressed, to take on influences and still retain its essential character, but to, to evolve as a style. Well, that's very true. And, and, and you know, more, no more, more so, I think, than in the United States. Um, insofar as that, you know, post-1926, you start seeing American interpretations. So they, they're they weaving into their design elements from American Pueblo Indians. Um, uh, they're weaving in sort of Mayan 
type um, uh, sort of uh, decoration as well. So um, yeah, it was it was open season um, mm. for people to experiment. But it, as I keep saying, it was an all-embracing style. Uh, people were, you know, it was only the, the very wealthy that could have the apartments that you might see in Top Hat and Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Yeah. I mean, this is pure Hollywood. Um, but generally, um, rather like Millie, people wanted to be thoroughly modern. <laughs> yeah, Millie, which of course is it is uh, an Art Deco movie in in some respects, at least. Uh, in that, uh, yeah. oh, well, without question, you know, this, this is 1922, and it's it's the right thing to raise your skirts and bob your hair. I seem to remember uh, Julie Andrews proclaiming in that in that song, "This is 1922." Yeah, and yeah. she made me go weak at the knees. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> It's a shame for her that she's anyway, chiefly remembered as being a, as being a, a babysitter. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I feel very old. <laughs> now, Eric, I want to bring this um, this conversation um, uh, into into the present day by asking you if I wanted to, as as a, an aficionado of uh, antiques or collectibles, but being a person of ordinary means. If I want to um, collect deco, what would you suggest as being a viable um, entry into in, into that world for a collector? Um, well, it, it you know to to use the phrase my son comes out with it's whatever floats your boat, Dad. It's whatever bites your biscuit, Dad. And I mean, for me, um, initially um, growing up in the industrial northwest um you know people in my town didn't didn't have much in the way of art deco um they they all had one of these sort of plaster figures of some um art deco um dorita lamore look-alike uh hanging on to um uh, two straining borzoi dogs or greyhounds while whilst wearing a um, what, to all mm. intents and purposes, might have been thought to have been a hippie hat and, and long flowing, a long flowing gown, and usually made of a low grade ceramic like chalk, yes. and it would be in the front window of many a terraced house, the parlour, and, and and that was a that was a statement <laughs> that said you were modern, um, but I think you know for me. I would, you know, I'm a ceramicist, so I'm I'm looking at what's available in the world world of ceramics that is affordable without, you know, breaking the bank. And so, I personally, I'm, I'm going to talk in terms of Susie Cooper before Clarice Cliff. Mm. And the reason I say that is that Susie Cooper is more affordable. Clarice Cliff, uh, I mean, I remember the times when when I started in the business, I worked for a dealer back in 1971, and uh, he was saying, well, you know, Clarice Cliff used to buy that stuff in, in Woolworths, you know, which, of course, is not true. It's simply not true. You know, mm. you, you bought it from Harrods. You, you bought it from, you know, the big stores. And, um, and on, on top of that, you... You've also got perhaps the glassware that that was produced, and again, it used to get a bad press because there was a lot of glass of of dubious merit, but of not 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 disinteresting style um, that was produced during the twenties, thirties, and 
uh, it went by the unfortunate term of depression glass. <laughs> I mean, it's hardly hardly the stuff that a marketing man would use these days, is it? Not uh, really. But you know, you can pick up you can pick up deco design for very little money to this day. Um, obviously, if you're wanting something by um, by you know dome or people like Morris Marino is like right right at the top of the of the food chain you you you're spending you know thousands upon thousands of pounds but you know for for we or should I say normal ordinary mortals to go out and spend 40 50 pounds on a, on a, an interesting item or if you want to push the boat up 100 or whatever um then you can put together quite a good collection. But it depends on your thinking of buying. Are you buying as a collector to put a collection together or are you buying to decorate your home? Yeah. Um, because De Deco does fit. It does manage to sit well in even contemporary um, uh, interior design to this day. Which makes it particularly suitable for collectors because it as as you're saying it, it integrates with with most people's ideas of um what is a you know reasonably modern interior style i, I think that's true as long as you're you're not um offended by nudity <laughs> Um, and I find mm. that, I, listen, I could talk I could talk for an hour on nudity. Well, and, and you'll probably taking it as read that I'm not offended by nudity, either. Eric. <laughs> well, some people are and were. I mean, if you go back to the 20s and you think about um, the age itself, it was this was also uh, to quote another song: um, uh, "Keep young and beautiful if you want to be loved." Um, and this was the age of keep fit. It was the age of better health. Um, it was an age where you know people started to embrace the the big outdoors and go walking and hiking and skiing and and all this sort of very healthy uh, recreational um, environments that that were open to them. Um, but and it, it, when you think in terms of Art Deco, for example, you know table lamps. You know you think of the. The, the naked uh, lady with the bobbed hair with her arms outstretched and perched uh, very carefully on the um, in the palms of her hand is a, a large uh, glass often frosted a globe of a shade yes um, and, and, and often bare of breast but bereft of nipple yeah well yeah it's all it's all there um, it, there's no no escaping from it and uh, you know, again, it, it was around. It was around in in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, and you know, I'm, I'm just mindful that way back then, um, nudity was there in under the guise of art. So if, it's okay. You can look at that because it's art, mm -hmm. um, and um, so I mean, nothing's really changed. It's just that that by the art. Art Deco years, you know, what's happening in Paris with uh, the, the cabarets there, and uh, and you know, you, you think in terms of also of the the dancers, the the folie bergère yeah. um, um, would be 
radical. I mean, especially to a lad from Burnley, I can assure you, my God, that woman's gone on stage and she's not even wearing a vest. You know, it would be, it was considered completely, oh my God. You know, She'll catch I've, her death, surely. I'm in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. <laughs> 